Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Hey, everybody. Before we jump into our discussion with our guest today, I wanted to make you all aware of the 2022 Audit Analytics Conference. It is on October 20th and 21st. It's a virtual conference. You can get up to 16 CPEs. We have 18 different speakers in two days. So there's gotta be something in there for everyone. Most are audit analytics practitioners. So you'll hear from the people that are actually in the weeds doing the work. And then we've also sprinkled in a few what I would call data first folks. And so these are people, all they know is data. They don't have that audit background, but I love getting their perspectives as well. So we have some of those sprinkled in as well. The fee for both days is $175. The fee for attending one day, you can choose either day, is $100. And we drop the link to register in the show notes as well as if you are subscribed to the audit podcast newsletter, the link will be in there as well. The most common question that I've gotten relative to the conference is, will this be recorded? Because I'm in a completely different time zone, half the world away. And unfortunately this year it will not be recorded. And so everything will be live. Just want to make note of that in case there's any confusion there. All right, on to our guest. Today we have David Hill on the show. David is the CEO of Swap Internal Audit Services. They're a not-for-profit organization that focuses on internal audit, but they also perform independent business improvement and assurance services for public sector entities and are an award-winning organization who are the biggest local government internal audit partnership in England and Wales. I'm gonna ask you to kind of buckle in for a minute on this intro. I mentioned award-winning organization and that they have a plenty of. And so they were the Public Finance Innovation Award winner for 2017, the Public Finance Innovation Awards finalist for 2018, the Public Finance Awards 2022 finalist, as well as the Public Finance Awards 2021 Excellence in Public Sector Audit, the COVID-19 Public Finance Leader of the Year, the Audit and Risk Outstanding Team in the Public Sector, the Audit and Risk Change and Innovation in Response to a Crisis, as well as the Audit and Risk Inspirational Leader. So you don't become that recognized and win those awards and get nominated for the, those awards if you don't have strong leadership at the top. There's no organization that has those accolades with weak leadership at the top with a weak vision at the top and maybe, you know, strong in the middle, like that just doesn't really happen. 
And so uh, I was very happy to have David on the show to get his perspective on really how he developed that culture and where his mindset comes from. And so a lot of the questions that we asked are geared towards getting towards that. And so we talk about what audit transformation means to David and what does it actually look like? Um, and so we list some actual examples of what David has done to become a transformational leader uh, within the internal audit space. Um, and then what is process for being a transformational auditor is. And so for, you know, a lot of us, maybe we don't have that mindset. And so we wanted to tap into, okay, if someone isn't that, how do they become that? We also talk about the number one issue that David has been discussing amongst um, chief audit executives. Uh, and then lastly, we talk about, again, this is a question we've hit on a few times, but when we have chief audit executives, they have strong audit backgrounds, but maybe they don't have a strong executive background. And so how can we develop that strong executive background so that we are that trusted advisor, get the seat at the table, are seen as peers amongst the C-suite? Here we go. What is an actionable audit tip that you could pass along to the listeners? Yeah, I, I think it's start to think a bit, bit more about what you're doing in, in terms of how you're working. So I'm a real fan of working in a much more efficient manner uh, and challenging some of the own, your own processes that have been laid down before you uh, and have probably been there for many years. So it's really just going back to you know, your team, your manager and saying, it's really, the, it's really the best way we can do things. And I can come on to some of the transformation ideas that we've, we've delivered in SWAT, but it is about challenging your own processes. I, I think there's too many... There's too many that are willing just to pick up the previous work program and, and run through and deliver the same sort of testing uh, and delivering the same processes. So mm -hmm. for me, it's about challenging your own processes. I think that's probably a start of 10. Yeah, and we've seen that a lot where we work with an um, internal audit department and implement an analytics process within there. And just by doing that, it kind of blows the whole thing up and they go, oh, we, we have to think about this completely differently. Um, so, so even just a little shakeup like that can, can almost force you to reassess how you've been doing things. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Uh, if you could grab every auditor in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, will you please just do this one thing? What would that one thing be? It's not of a dissimilar vein. It, it's, it's disrupting what you're doing again. You know, it's really disrupting what you're doing. Um, disruption sounds like a really extreme thing to say, but... You know, I see lots of all the teams following traditional waterfall processes. Um, and I actually just don't think that's acceptable anymore, you know, because I think like any service, we've got to deliver more with the same or less. Um, and if we're not willing to change, not willing to challenge, then, you know, I, I said to a conference this week, actually, that I was at, you know, certainly in my sector, in three years, two to three years time, if you haven't moved, if you haven't transformed, you haven't challenged processes you continue to follow what you've always done, you are going to become irrelevant because mm -hmm. others are going to overtake you because their service is going to be seen as a much better service. So I think disruption for me is, is the biggie. Right. Okay. And you've mentioned disruption uh, a few times and transformation a few times and transformation might even end up being the theme uh, of the conversation, but what is relative to audit? Like what does transformation mean to you? What does that look like? Are there any um, like actual examples that you could give of what transformation looks like? Yeah, I, mean, I, th I think swaps come a long way in the last three years. Um, 
as of many organizations because of COVID, it, it, it kind of challenged the way you work and that all of a sudden remote, remote working, thinking about how we do things. So um, definitely more data analytics, absolutely. That's a key for me. Um, and obviously it's a key, it's a key for you. Yeah. Um, but data analytics, I, I think if you're not embracing data analytics now, um, you're letting your organizations down. So that's the first thing I'll say about data. Um, we've introduced one-page audit reports now, mm. which you know I think they've gone down a storm. You know they've been they've been really well received by all our stakeholders because you know they're all busy people now. They haven't got time to try and get to the nub of the problem. They just want to know what is the issue here and how do we resolve it. Um, so the one-page report has been a real good hit and it's been shared quite widely now, which is really good to see. And I think the other thing is the introduction of Agile, um, Agile mindset and Agile processes. But for me, the Agile mindset's the biggie. Um, I've always thought that, you know, I just mentioned about looking at your own processes. You know, if we can get Agile mindset in place, um, that is going to help everybody move along and just consider what they're doing each time. Um, and then the final thing I think is, and we're well on the road to this now, is thinking about do we need a one-page report and actually communicating results through dashboards because mm -hmm. I think that's the next step. Um, and I don't just mean dashboards, I mean dynamic dashboards because then when we go to audit committees, we're not dealing with a paper that was three weeks out of date. You know, you can just flash it up live and say, look, that's the situation as of now. Um, so they're the sort of areas I would be looking at and, and some of the areas we've delivered yeah. transformation. And I like with, with, with the dashboards, because I know in, in working with the groups that I do, you know, it's like, hey, you know, can you guys talk uh, next week? And it's like, uh, we're, we can't do anything for the next two weeks. We're, we're putting the audit committee report together. And so if you think about like, well, if you just incrementally did that via a dashboard, then um, you you would have, I guess, more availability and you wouldn't have almost even that time crunch because it's always, especially those few days before, it's like we are hands on, all hands on deck with that. So, um, yeah. All right, so I think that's great actual examples there. Analytics, um, Agile, the one-page audit report, and dashboards. And for those that maybe don't know, I believe, uh, David, Sarah I. James worked with you guys to some degree to help implement that, that one-page audit report. Um, and she was on the show, it was within the past five episodes. So if you're listening to this episode, you shouldn't have to scroll down too far to see that. And we share a video on our YouTube channel where Sarah actually pulls up her book and shows examples of this is what uh, kind of a one page looks like. This is what an email audit report can look like. This is what the dashboard can look like. This is what data visual data visualizations within your audit report can look like. And so there's a lot of um, good examples there. So, all right, I, I really appreciate that. Um, with this transformational um mindset that you have is it a mindset or is it a process where uh you you evaluate on a you know uh bi-weekly basis or every or every month something to that effect is it from having the agile mindset and applying those principles like how can we become a transformational auditor in the sense of looking for change is it a process or is it a mindset I, I think it's a mindset. I think you've got to have the you've got to have the enthusiasm to change what you're doing. Uh, and you know, for, for the benefit of the organization you're serving, that, that's what we're really this is all about. But I think you know, I do a lot of I do a lot of 
um, listening to books. I do a lot of looking at LinkedIn. I listen to lots of podcasts. Um, you know, we're, we're lucky in our profession. We've got so many insightful people out there that are doing new things and always willing to share. It's not like, you know, some professions where that's my idea yeah. and, you know, I'm keeping it. Um, the fact that, you know, you'll never reinventing the wheel. There's always someone ahead of you. There's always some people behind you, but there's always someone ahead of you. So the ideas are out there. You just got to go and grab them and, and pick them up and say, do these ideas fit with what I'm trying to achieve in the organization that I'm with? And then I think, I think then it's about, it's not a bravery. You know, it's, it, you know, if you go to an audit committee, they're always used to what they're used to having, but actually mm-hmm. until they know what they don't know, and actually they can receive results in a different way and a smarter way and a more dynamic way, then they're going to just accept what they've always had. And therefore I think you have to be brave enough to put alternative ways, you know, in their path. Maybe a similar question in how we can become transformational or, and develop that mindset. When you talk to, I guess in talking to other uh, or in talking to chief audit executives, that's a great way to, to pick their brains, um, see what they're doing. And, and almost uh, you can almost benchmark like, Hey, we're doing, you know, when agile auditing became what it is, you know, Hey, we're doing agile auditing yet. Yeah, well, you know, I'm familiar with agile, but I didn't know within the audit process. So uh, when you talk to those chief audit executives now, what do you feel is like one of the, the number one issues that's being discussed amongst chief audit executives? I, I'm sensing, um, again, coming from the back of a few conferences, I'm sensing it, it is this communicating well, communicating mm-hmm. in a timely manner. Um, so it's adopting new methodologies, new technologies, all of which can help communicate quicker. So, you know, one of the things that um, I, was, I picked up on the standards the other day about, you know, added value, you know, it talks about added value 30 times, I think, in our standards. Hmm. And then it talks about what it is in the glossary, one, one paragraph in the glossary. But what it doesn't say is that <clears throat> it's got to be delivered in a timely manner. And I think that's missing from the standards. So the word timely doesn't exist in there. And for me, it's, it's okay delivering added value through, you know, assurance and governance and, and control and all the other areas. But if it's not timely, the horse is bolted. So therefore, that word timely is really important. So if you've got the tools and systems and processes that can allow you to provide that information in a timely manner, then everyone wins. So that that's where I am. And I think that's becoming more and more of a conversation now. Definitely. And is, is and so is that the way we can you feel like add more value is just in the timeliness? So um I'm curious, I guess, what value should IA be adding versus what value do you typically see being added? Is it just that timeliness piece? I think if you start from the premise that actually you've been doing a good job, you know, that we've actually, you know, at SWAT, we've always done a good job. We've been a good team, but we've done too much sometimes. Mm. We've done too much unnecessary inefficient processes. So, you know, if I go back to reporting, you know, chasing a draft report, you know, for 30, 40, 50 days to get a response, when actually if you do it in your closeout meeting and you've been communicating results all the way through the journey of that audit, and you come to the end, it's not a clearance, it's a sign-off. You know, that one-page report allows you to have the sign-off. So you're actually getting mitigation. I mean, we've had a case recently where actually during the course of the audit, the mitigation was put in place and agreed. So when we came out with the final report, mitigation has been applied. Now, that's that's fantastic. That's the, you know, that's the ultimate, as far as I'm concerned, that you can actually agree mitigation during the course of the audit. Hey, everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. 
Audit Board's integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. A lot of folks mention that the they and it even measure it themselves as far as how long it takes to issue the audit report. Like that's a metric they keep up with. I've seen some um, audit executives that report that to the audit committee. And I know you um, you guys are at Swap or on Audit Board. I'd be remiss not to mention Audit Board, uh, friend and sponsor of the show. Uh, do you feel like having something like that where technology can help support an initiative like that? Do you feel like having um, an audit board as the example, but there's others have helped you issue audit reports faster? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the, the issuing of a, an audit report has always been a, a, a bottleneck process. It's always taken ages to clear. And often it's because your language is wrong and someone doesn't like the way you've written something or the phraseology you've used. So, you know, by using, you know, we've moved, moved to one page reports, but they're moving to dashboards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even things as simple like news and technology. So instead of having to create this big, massive audit file with all the other things going on around it, actually you can just do one control and say, we've tested it and we're, we're comfortable with it. You know, so efficient processes, using technology, it's really the way forward and, and that's the way we could deliver more with either the same or less. Yeah. So that's technology is important. And I think it's, it's pretty easy for me given my technical background. Like I am constantly looking like, how can we use technology not only for how it's supposed to be used, but then how can we be creative with it and use it in, in other, other ways. So like we, we used to record, um, we did application controls or automated uh, automated controls, we would record those and and then take the screenshots after the fact, as opposed to, you know, in working with someone walking through an automated control and going, okay, stop, take a screenshot, put it in Word, thanks, next step. And they would go through it, stop, take a screen, you know, we can knock it out in 30 minutes, then go back and, and do it ourselves. So um, I feel like technology is, is something that we should definitely lean on a little bit more and then also be creative with, with how we're using that technology. But um, we, were we were talking about metrics a little bit earlier as far as issuing the audit report and some folks track that, some folks don't. It's kind of up to, in my opinion, um, a lot of times if the audit committee cares about that and whether they want to, to see that if, if it's being presented to them, obviously. But um, so I'm curious though, for you as a, a leader, as a CEO even, what are you metric on? I metric on, and this isn't a KPI metric or a local performance indicator. I metric on having a team or creating the, the conditions for a team to innovate. That that's what I metric on because I think if you can get a team to innovate, I think it's it's actually got some by byproducts. Actually, it's good for well being. It's good for attention. But actually, all the ideas coming through are from the team because they're looking at it and thinking actually there's much better ways to do this. Yeah. So a lot of things we've done, nothing to do with me at all. Let's do with the, the excellent team. You just go through things and think, actually, we can do this in a better way. So the metric for me is constantly seeing innovations coming out or better ways to do things or, you know, much more efficient ways to deliver things. Um, and I'm, I'm astounded by some of the things I keep seeing. 
Um, so that's that's a kind of internal metric. The external metric for me is actually is you know are our stakeholders comfortable what we're doing? Are our stakeholders on the journey with us? So you know when we pose changes in, in process, um, when we pose one page reports, they're with us, and that's just to me that actually they're really comfortable with us as their service provider. So I think that's a really good metric as well. Do you, do you feel like folks that are kind of ripe for bringing the new ideas are the folks that are new to the profession um, that, that maybe have looked at things differently or based on maybe they're coming up and so they're exposed to, I'll go back to technology, more technology and being able to provide ideas around, uh, have we thought about doing it this way? Or because I know it can be almost tough. I know when I first started out, if someone were to ask me that, I'd be like, I don't, like, I don't know. And if I did, I'd be maybe even hesitant to speak up. Like I'm new, you guys have been doing this for 30 years, 20 years, whatever. Um, do you feel like you get a lot of good feedback from like this up and coming generation? I, I think it's, do you know, I think it's a, that's a really interesting question. And I think it's, it's a really mixed bag. Um, I think we'll have, we've definitely got some that have been in the profession for some time and have now being allowed to innovate. And I mm. think that's important. I think some of them probably had ideas for a few years, but you know, lots of audit teams have process, and you know, we must follow the process because good, good auditors are good at process. So there's part of that, but definitely, you know, the young generation coming through the door are definitely coming through with ideas and thinking, why, why can't we do this or why can't we do that? So, and then there's those that are just comfortable with what they're doing. You know, they're quite yeah. happy just doing a really good job. So that's kind of three areas I think on that. Yeah, um, kind of a mixed bag. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, one of my other favorite questions we've been asking has been the, and, and this is from Hal Guerin, who um, very much a thought leader in the audit profession. Uh, for those that don't know him, just go go to his LinkedIn, scroll through his stuff, uh, Googling. He's got articles. Uh, he recently released one uh, with ACI recently. Um, but I kind of stole this question from him, and he talks about we have a lot of you know chief audit executives. And they are very strong in the A as far as being an auditor and they know audit really well and they're really great at that and can execute and all that great stuff. Where some folks lack is the E or the executive piece of being a CAE. And we always talk about seat at the table and I feel like having a strong E mm -hmm. is a huge piece of that. Um, yes. What advice would you give maybe for folks that have those, you know, super strong audit backgrounds. Now we're CAEs to get that like executive, I'll say presence, um, but how to become a, a better executive. Well, I, I wouldn't belittle the, 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 you know, the technical qualities and abilities. I think that's really important. But I think sometimes when you get to, you know, executive level, um, <clears throat> you have to be able to create really good relationships. That's, that's really what it's all about because actually if you're not creating relationships you're not being listened to so as mm -hmm. technical as you can be if it's not being heard then yeah. actually it's of no value to anybody so for me it's a it's around relationship management relationship expectation pragmatism i think humor sticks in every conversation i think that's a really important element of it um but as i said <clears throat> you can be technical all you want and i think that's important but if you can't communicate and get buy-in and be part of that C-suite so people listen to you, you have no value. Yeah. In the so. And I, I think you have to be, it's something we've talked on the show about, you have to be proactive in those relationships. You have to reach out to them, shoot them the message. Um, you can't be passive in terms of waiting for them to come to you. 
or even expect that, especially, Hey, now I'm a CAE, you know, I just expect, you know, to, to, for these people to reach out to these executives to reach out to me. Um, is there a, a process or some guidance that you could pass along as far as this is how you can be, I guess, maybe even more aggressive in terms of having those conversations with them? Well, if I'm meeting someone new for the first time, I've always had always done this. I've always done some research on them and, <clears throat> and find some of their some of the things like, you know, do they support a football club? And that's that's a classic for me, a new person meeting. Right. I've heard you, I've heard you're a Liverpool supporter. You know, straight away that's that's breaking the ice and you they they start to believe actually you've taken some interest in them before yeah. you've even met them. So I think understanding someone before you met them or asking about them is a really good thing that I it's a good tip, I think, for everybody actually, just to understand who you're going to speak to um, and being able to break the ice quick, I think is is really important. But I, I go back to this, this word bravery, because again, I think if you can be brave, brave and actually present things that people haven't had before, try and break the ice a little bit in some of the, in, in some of the things they're expecting for you to present and you're going to expect it slightly differently. I think actually then you start to become much more trusted um, rather than just being someone who delivers audits. Yeah. If you're coming yeah. back to the C-suite and saying, actually, we can do this differently and smarter, and actually you'll get much more oversight of the assurance you want, then you get, you get trusted and then they start believing in you. And I think that that's, for me, really important. All right, David, I really appreciate that, especially the transformational talk that you talked about and some specific areas that um, where that could be applied and kind of actionable, the actionable guidance that you passed along. But uh, I did want to give you the last word. So with that said, what what would you like to leave the audience with today? I, I, thought, I think I'd leave the audience with, you know, um, internal audit is a fantastic profession. I, you know, I generally believe it's a fantastic profession. And it's even more fantastic if you're willing to innovate, step back and look at what you're doing, not follow traditional waterfall processes. So, you know, and I think, you know, innovation will just make you all feel a lot better because you're, you'll be able to deliver more with less. You'll be able to be a peer amongst all your um, stakeholders. They'll look at you with a bit of value and thinking, actually, this audit team's a really strong audit team and they're always looking to deliver more with less and always looking to deliver value. Um, and I think that's really important. So, um, and I just, just think innovation is exciting and internal audit is not away from that, that, that area. It's absolutely in that space. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.